You know I love you, baby. I always leave you. It wasn't my fault. Honest. I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My truck didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault. Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimped from Oakland or Cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. Chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. Well, don't they sacks and jacks. I'm talking about Craig Pappas in the studio. We got Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 5, Nancy Futures up 12. I assume everybody uh, remembered uh, that that was John Belushi in the first part there. Of course, of course. You remember that, Greg, right? Not me. <laughs> you, don't, you never saw the movie? Never saw Blues Brothers. Well, Blues Brothers, yeah. Well, yeah. He was in Blues Brothers. You don't remember Belushi? I do. That, that was, uh, yeah, that was kind of before... I really got into the movie, so yeah. Well, that's a that's a classic flick, though. If you want the reason why that's a, a major classic flick, it's like Crime Story because you get to see what Chicago looked like. Oh yeah, yeah this is definitely lower Wacker Drive. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> you go to the place on Maxwell Street, the guitar place, and the oh yeah, and then well, not the place on Maxwell Street with the food place, then the guitar place was Selfie Side, I think. Was that? I think that's right. Yeah, with uh, John Lee Hooker in that. Yeah, yeah, very cool stuff. But uh, when I, I used to, <laughs> I managed. Softball teams for God knows how many years, and uh, I mean, he's giving out all those excuses, uh, <laughs> gang. Do you ever have buddy? Well, I ran into a lot of guys because you know, like if you needed a center fielder, you call a guy up and you say, "Hey, Joe, can you play center field tonight?" Some guy, you know, who actually wanted to play, you could sort of say, uh, he'd say, "Man, I really like to." But boy, I'm a, you know, I just got called out of town. I'm in St. Louis for business or something. Because <laughs> there was a plague of locust. Or oh, well, I mean, some people, yeah, it's, it's, you can tell there's a legitimate excuse. Okay, yeah. Uh, that they, they couldn't play because they really wanted to. And somebody else, one of the guys lived upstairs from me, you'd call him and he'd say something like, you know, well, my mom died. Well, okay, mm-hmm. obviously you didn't want to see the guy's mom die. It's a horrible thing. But you, you get the sense that he was relieved because he actually had an excuse and didn't have to make one up. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he had no intention of playing center okay. field no matter what. If it wasn't that, he would just sit there and go, well, let's see, just like Belushi, my, my tux didn't come back. You don't play that tux, you idiot. <laughs> How about the 106 miles to Chicago and uh, that quote? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A pack of cigarettes. It's dark. It was wearing sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> then they went over the bridge with the... Uh, what was, it, what was the car? It was a, what are you driving this thing for? And he said, it's got a 440 police interceptor or something in it. It was a Dodge. Yeah. And they went over the uh, the, the, the bascule-style bridge and landed on the other side. I don't think that would actually work, by the way. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Actually, you know, we speaking of uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew actually lives very close to that bridge uh, down in Joliet. Uh, we actually had to pass it a couple times and, and got stuck by uh, you know, oh, behind it when, when the ferry goes through. Yeah. I can't. They should have a, a jail. I think they should like reopen it. And every weekend here, when they arrest fifty people in the street, they just bring them all down there, not the county jail, <laughs> and not to. And you come back about two weeks later, and oh, definitely. don't get to talk to your homies in, uh, in in Cook County. And it's a real, you know, kind of gothic estate. That whole, oh, yeah. it, it's real old fashioned. Uh, you know, it would be cool to see that come again. I like the signs. Uh, 
next trying to, to put jail. people in jail. Oh yeah, why would you want to do that? <laughs> why would you want to? Oh, well, you could make it like some school down there and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I mean, you find could, something to do. You could make it. it nice. The food place is the best. Uh, mm. uh, what is it? Calumet Fisheries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I like that we used to drive by there. I mean, Route Seven goes right by there. For those those that don't know, I loved all the signs that say, "Do not pick up hitchhikers." <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, any hitchhiker probably somebody just somehow found his way out of the jail would yeah. not be a good idea to, to pick up a hitchhiker, but. Uh, the place down downstate, uh, the maximum security prison closed too, right? Stateville. Oh, you know, I think a lot of these places closed, and then they build these for-profit places, which I don't. That's know, right. I don't get the story outsource. On yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't really get the story on that. That's pretty pretty nefarious, if you ask me. Oh uh, yeah, pretty. Yeah. Uh, I don't see how that can be a for-profit kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, people can uh, do whatever. They always find a way to make, make a profit somehow. Well, there's always a kickback. There's always yeah. a kickback. A little bit. A little, <laughs> Well, something. Can I wet, wet my beak? Can I wet uh, my beak? Uh, off the misery of others. Yeah. yeah, so what do you guys think of this change in the weather? I don't know how the hell the Sox played yesterday. We had unseasonably nice weather, and we're back to normal now. This is nowhere near normal. Well, well, what's our normal? It's, 60. <laughs> it's, it's, it's swinging the other way. We were 83. Get... We broke a record on Thursday. So I'm not, I'm not debating this, the scientists that things are maybe a little warmer, but... It took 100, 126 years, 106 years to break that record. So obviously, yeah. it was a global warming back then. Yeah, and the outlook, at least for the farmers and such, are it's <laughs> yeah. What does it do with that? We've got conflicting. So this week, it's it's pretty set. I'm uh, I'm I'm guessing right around 65. You know, here um, the average. But, but uh, so if, for, if you go from 83 to 33, is that what does that mean? What's your average? 60. <laughs> well. If there's if there's enough uh, cold for to damage any kind of crops or planting, then that that swings prices pretty quickly. But all right, so what is the? Why don't you give us? We have some time. We haven't done this in a while. Why don't you give us an overview, which is really hard to do now because uh, between I guess the global warming and the increase in uh, brass and whatever we're going to call it of the seeds and so forth, hasn't the the line for corn, essentially, since my brother Dan was in the corn pit, you know, 25 years ago, hasn't the line for corn latitude, how far north you can you can plant corn, gone up like 10 or 15 miles a year or something? Well, it depends on what you do with the soil more than than the in general. In general, uh, I mean, the climate changes a little bit, but what you do with your soil and how how aggressively you're taking care of it, it's, it that matters more for your yields than but and than where the we're 2000, 2023 and in 1995 you needed what 115 days or something for corn and now you're down to like 105 or something which means yeah if anyone ever gets bored you just type in uh, farmer's almanac and that mm. that'll show you that'll show you again days till harvest and kind of what you're looking for and but really if you have an insane amount of fertilizer or, or something like uh phosphates or or whatever just juice in your soil then that'll make more of a difference for yield so but there are, but there has been advancements in the yield and it has and it's supposedly a little productivity lower. has gone way up in terms of but you're now you're now pushing Central Minnesota, where it never was like that, right? Right, right. 
So if you want if you want giant yields, not only do you have to have the good temperatures, but you also have to have the advanced uh, planting and fertilizing techniques. So then the next year you plant beans or something that are accretive to the soil in terms of... Some people do that, some people don't. Um, with the more recent prices being high, they're more likely to, say, replant, uh, say, go for it again. Just know, as a way uh, of background, corn takes is essentially a net... A net uh, the soil's a net loser, correct? Yes, yeah. So, so you have to keep pouring stuff in there, whether it's and even pig, in, pig poop or whether it's <laughs> phosphate or whatever it is. Got to right. keep even in great farming areas like the Corn Belt in Illinois... Iowa, um, that's those are just the soil is definitely the best quality we have in the in North America and well, probably except for the maybe world. Argentina, a couple spots it's the world. Yeah, yeah, Brazil is going to have a monster crop this year too. So, it's well, but now like soybeans and some other stuff. Like, as a matter of fact, I was reading. I don't know if guys want to do this, but they claim that in some areas, like right now, where are we? April. Maybe maybe a couple of weeks ago, somebody was either it was either peas or green beans, and if you if you they, they grow in what eight weeks or something, some somebody I was reading the story it's pretty fascinating, Greg, and how if they were trying to educate farmers in Illinois. Of course, you know our farmers don't want to change much because they've got their stuff and they got their massive tractors and they do they they're really good at what they do. I mean, obviously it's a massive business. It's not just some guy out there winging seed around. Uh, I mean, they got satellite photos of what, what where they need to water and everything, right? I mean, well, if, and- if you, in general, look at, like, frost, um, you'll see that at the end of April, that's when you'll get your last frost, and then that then you're really you're really good to go. So I, My grandfather think- used to say you can't plant tomatoes in the middle of May because you never know in this area you might get a frost. Right, right. So maybe you plant uh, peas and some other tomatoes and... and and say carrots and stuff like that earlier, say the beginning of starting in April. Um, but it depends, yeah, like you said earlier, on kind of where you are in the... Well, the idea was that you could you could get a, a pea crop out and then just, when you, when you plow the soil again... Okay, and and that's for Illinois. I mean, yeah, if you, you, move. you essentially can... The, 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 the pea plant, after you get the peas out of there, is very accretive in terms of nitrogen and stuff. So you actually are, and that's the game that the, yeah. the farmers play. That's what soybean does. Soybean is, is a net positive for the soil. Yeah, and it doesn't require as much uh, fertilizer. If anything, I think it just needs maybe bug stuff. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people say that it's like a weed. You know, it's freaky. I mean, this is you know, this is not a a guy who's into this. Uh, I'm not that much. If anyone's a nerd, just go go and look at uh, Zone Six, and that's most of Illinois. Up here, we're, I think, Zone 5. But. Well, Chris, who used to help us out on the show, I think you know him, uh, Chris and uh, Chris Mance, I think he comes in the series once in a while. He, he was, uh, he and his, his wife went out, and they were, they were evidently sweet corn. You still have to harvest sweet corn by hand. So if you, if you go buy I've never a, done that, actually. Well, if you go out by, to a big farm, and it's, it's row after row of corn, that's all feed corn. Yeah. And unless, like my grandfather... That's used for protein and yeah. animal... Like if my grandfather used to say, if you get that on like the exact right day or two when it's just ripening, because it's actually almost as good as sweet corn to eat. Now that was the crazy been dead for so long. Uh, I don't know if it's he's but Never anyway, tried sweet that. corn. Sweet corn is stuff that you, you and I would throw on the grill. That's still 
you, yeah, you might see a smaller, a, sweeter. Yeah, you might see a, a farmer with like three or four of the rows are sweet corn. The rest is all feed corn. He does that just for his family or maybe for the local. Right, out of hundreds. Yeah, out of thousands. hundreds of them. Yeah. So actually, there's a place in uh, Indiana. We we had a guy for a client, and he used to hedge stuff. And my my brother used to take extra special care with the guy. They raise popcorn corn. Oh, not every corn is popcorn. It's a good good contract to have. Yeah, well, I mean, Specialty. but they well, he just but it was some. My brother figured out a way of how much he should how much of he should uh, hedge against the sweet corn. It wasn't one to one, or not the, or the, uh, the regular corn. It wasn't one to one. You know, but we're good at this. Dan was, and the guy was real happy. And then I think they sold a farm or something. I don't know, but they they made corn for all the different Orpha, Red and Bacher, and everybody. That was their they sold those guys the stuff. But anyway. Chris said it was the weirdest damn thing, and, he, and he's not a, you know, he's Mr. Pro Farmer, and so am I. He goes, they got all these, this breeding now, this genetic breeding, where where they don't have to use as many insecticides. They'll modify the plant yeah. um, in the lab before, and then, yeah. and yeah, that's... And he, and he, uh, he says it is nothing's freakier than walking there trying to harvest the sweet corn and all the bugs are flying around the air on you, and none of them instead are on the instead of the, the, the crops. Yeah. And he's like, "What is in this stuff? Well, what's the? Uh, you should know this, even though you're even though you're not Irish. Um, <laughs> what, like the the first genetic, uh, maybe not the first, but first that I ever heard about the first genetically modified thing was was wheat. Um, officially, you know, GMOs are that's a technology. Yeah. And we've been doing it for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, I would I would probably say uh, the ones that were evaluated and proved to be safe, I think, were tomatoes. Okay, but these were not these were not according good, to the FDA. Uh, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> one allegedly one of the biggest reasons. Allegedly, I mean, I you know spreading rumors here. One of the reasons why an awful lot of Irish people have a problem with wheat is because it was in Ireland somebody invented this normally. You know, you see the wheat strands that are going back and forth in the breeze, and what is it, acres of what's the America the beautiful amber waves, of amber grain. waves of grain? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not the way grain used to be. The first rain or the first wind, and the stuff was down on the ground, down just flat, You're just laying flat. <laughs> so this particular, uh, how can I say this? Essentially, was the Viagra for wheat. Ah, made so it, it kept it up. It, made it kept it up basically, yeah. and. But, I mean, More than but, but, but this was long before any sort of a lab where you could tell what it did to anybody. This was a couple hundred years ago or more. So well, again, we've been doing it for thousands of yeah, years. Yeah, a lot of people have wheat allergies, and there, there are people who think that the reason why some people have real a real problem where they can't eat wheat, you know, or a gluten, or the uh, gluten is because of of that enhancement, shall we say? Yeah. But how, how do you how do you tell one way or the other? Because I don't think there's any of the regular wheat left, is there? We could go to France, I think, and see what they have there. I, that, I don't think very they, stringent. Uh, I don't think anybody wants their wheat crop laying flat on the ground. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I could say yeah, something, they, but I won't. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, what is the the state of uh, last year? I mean, after uh, we had all the grain shortages coming out of Ukraine and stuff, obviously well, it was surprisingly was, enough. We've crossed. Uh, We've crossed that bridge. No one, no one really had too much of a shortage. The the people who really got squeezed were the the poorer countries that were yep. dependent on specifically the Black Sea. But um, in terms of here, we've had prices come down. So 
as as the uh, farmers hedge more this year, they're looking at less profits this year than they did than it worked out last you year. You sent us that chart a while ago. Last year was like. And the average farmer make a quarter million this year, or looking at sixty thousand or something. Yeah, so that does swing around a lot, and it it depends on how prepared you are for price swings in your input costs. So your input costs, um, not only labor, you've got your your seed, and depending on how genetically modified it is, that can get super expensive. You have all your fertilizers, which again you want to lock in prices at some point. So these farmers kind of want to have a spread between their crop prices which they hopefully sell out a little bit in the future and their input costs um so it's all about that spread and when you're doing things so the responsible uh, route is usually okay i'm going to sell a little bit of the crop at this time i'm going to lock in a little bit of the fertilizer here or if it's a really good price then you try to lock in more because you know you're going to need so much and then you keep an eye on the weather to see estimate how much you're going to produce so depending on that you know it's the people who are more prepared for shocks in the weather and more but prepared i don't, but I don't sense the panic of last year that if you if you could if you well it's a lot easier to risk a whole bunch of money if you're if you're starting from higher so if corn is seven dollars or seven dollars and fifty cents you know there's a lot more wiggle room to to lock in uh input costs so so where is it now so now if you're say five and a half, you know, you're you're not nearly as willing to take more risk because you're you're the juice. If, but I don't I don't sense the the panic the last two years where if you know, if you got a, a potted plant in your dining in your dining room you're you're planting a, a corn plant in there. I mean it's not <laughs> it's not like that at all this year, it doesn't appear. Right, because and I say this a lot and sorry for being repetitive, but narrative follows price. So as price has been declining and from a high prices uh, historically, I mean very high prices historically. So even then, you, you're you're seeing the bearish sentiment because those prices have come off. I mean you're not you're not at all time highs anymore. You're you're significantly lower. So there's there's less of a tolerance for risk. What does every every once in a while farmers get all pissed off about? And, and probably regular people. When I say regular people, they're regular people. Uh, do as well. I sense for those, you know, who picks up the drill, the, the South Loop down here, my favorite place for breakfast is even open for breakfast anymore, series, right? Yeah. So, I mean. It's not as many people in the loop, so well, you don't know. Well, at least in this section, there's nobody here. It's like a neutron bomb went off, basically. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, some places are, a couple places are open and doing better, and it's getting better, I think, every month, but it's still way below before COVID and when the exchanges were open. It's not even close. Would you say it is 20%, 40% maybe? Okay. Yeah, probably. But from when when the exchanges in LaSalle Street was very busy, it's yeah. probably down 80%. But from pre-COVID, you're down 65%. It's, it's, but I, I, what, I'm, what I'm noticing anyway, the, the, the long story short, don't tell it. Is that make the long story short, don't tell it, Greg? The, uh, uh, I still do, we still have a kitchen in the office. So, every, so virtually every day I whip up breakfast real quick. And, uh, and I'm, so I'm shopping every weekend. I do that for two reasons. One is because we need to eat. And secondly is because I want to keep my, unlike I think a lot of other people who give financial uh, advice and so forth, I actually want to see what's going on. And you know what's, can't help but jump out at you, Greg, is you talked about price of corn going from 750 to 550 Well, the price of pork 
is is cheaper than it was before COVID. If you if you buy it on sale, I mean, it's, if you just look around, I mean, chicken's almost the same way, uh, not not quite as bad, but uh, not quite as low. But what I notice is the price of processed stuff. I mean, uh, you can, you can buy a pork shoulder for if you look around on sale for a buck seventy a pound, maybe a buck fifty, maybe a buck twenty five, if somebody just wants to off it, right, or a ham or something. But your your pound of Jimmy Dean's pork sausage is up from three bucks to four fifty. Yeah, and that's anything processed, anything that somebody had to do to it along the way. Right. And I'm saying that the farmers, I've never even even a, basically a crappy loaf of bread is four bucks. That has not come down at all. In fact, it's up over right. the last year. Now the the inflation though, a lot a lot of people would argue it slowed and stopped. Whereas the input, their input prices are now going down, so in theory that shelf price or the final price should be have leveled off. But it's it, it, it has not saying off. it's going down, but 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 your price of corn is down. You say thirty percent. If, if corn no, is six bucks and it used yeah. to be seven, you know. Well, there's no there's no way the price of bread's going from four to three and a half. It's just not happening. Anything that's processed, anything that anybody's to well, deliver, you you never know, but. Um, Say when wheat prices fluctuate and we've got a glut of of wheat coming, it could very well you know short term swing and there's there's more of that talk now than for sure there was last year and prices coming down from uh, you know nobody thought crude oil and such would go negative a couple of years ago or whenever Speaking that. Speaking of which, we have to go to break here, but uh, uh, gas is up. I was two weeks ago. I get gas every Sunday for the suburban. Two weeks ago, three sixty four. Last week, three ninety six. Yesterday, four nineteen. Yeah, big swings. And that's, that's not swings. Mm. It's just going up. Well, <laughs> the the underlying future was West Texas. You know that that can go down for months at a time. But okay, but I, we're, but now we have the, the the glee in the market last week, which by the way was great because my clients had a good week. Uh, the glee in the market. Was totally to do with I could say them, them uh, fixing, changing the CPI and PPI number to where they said that the price of energy and gasoline was down five percent last month. Well, not only they, they're going to get that shoved where the sun don't shine off that number. What's going to be this month? Up fifteen off that number. Um, I I would look to have the news follow the prices so for whatever the prices are doing i'd say that the market knows ahead of whatever the news describes I, the movie you know i'll tell you what on. we are, you know that's that first of all you you're you're a uh well we gotta go to break here but you're one of these purists let's talk about that after the close what happens to purists oh i sense <laughs> s&p futures up three by the way i used to be one by the way i used to be s&p futures up 350 and s&p futures down 75 cents be right back stacks and jack also Mr. john flanagan How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. Matt, Matt, Matt mm-hmm. Byrne on the board. Greg Pappas in studio. Jan Flanagan. All kinds of people. SP Futures up two and a quarter. Right. NASDAQ Futures down, down a buck, Chuck. Uh, this is after we had a nice week last week. We're going to talk about whether or not the information now is, is sort of different than it was years ago. I don't know. Years ago, it's kind of a... It's sort of a nebulous statement, don't you think, Matt? Just kind of years ago without naming it. I would say so, Just sort yeah. of nebulous. Well, we'll try and firm that up a little bit. Dow Futures up 30. Really nothing in the Dow. Well, we've got Goldman Sachs and Home Depot up uh, buck sixty-eight and buck seventy-two. Nothing really down. So, I mean, that's why the Dow Futures are up 30, but nothing crazy. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 57 cents. Greg, what do you think? Flat? 57 cents? Yeah. Unched. Uh, unched. Uh, FTSE up 27, 0.3%. Uh, Kick around down three, call that flat two. So let's say flat to maybe slightly up over there. Eurasia at the Nikkei up 21, uh, call that flat. Hang Seng up 343, 20,782. You know, part of me says I'd really like to be trading over there. This thing has got to be wild to trade. 1.7%, Shanghai up 47, 1.4. Uh, not sure exactly why that is, but they, uh, they're they up. On Friday, Dow was down 143, S&P down 8. 
Nasdaq down 40, 42 again. It kind of dove on the close a little bit. Uh, we've got bonds up two basis points. 3.54 was under 3.5 most of last week. The bond up four basis points, 2.47. Japan, uh-oh, right near the top here, Greg, 0.49. And the government says you can only go to 50, boys. Only go to 50, and it's at 0.49. Uh, oil. Down 34 cents, 82.18. Brent down 33 cents, 85.98. Natural gas up 6 cents, 2.17. Arbob down 2 cents at 2.80. What's our spread supposed to be? Like 85 cents or a buck, and it's a, probably a buck 40 now? That's kind of a lot. Some of that's taxes, a lot of that's taxes. Uh, gold, um, gold wants to come up. There we go. Gold up 580, 2021. Silver up 7 cents, 25.53. Copper down a penny, 408. We've got Bitcoin. Down 961, under 30,000. Whack, whack. 29,514. We have the U.S. dollar, which is causing a lot of this. Pretty much unchanged, but the pound is still 1097, call it 110. I mean, a euro, 1097, call it 110. The pound uh, is 124. It was 125. So the dollar has actually strengthened a hair in the last couple of days. A lot of stuff there. Mm. Man, we have West Traffic Weather Sports. Cubs win, Sox, how they played yesterday, I have no idea, but then they lost. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Good morning, everyone. April 17th, 2023. It is currently 6.39 a.m. This morning, Chicago, a rude awakening from the beautiful weather we had last week with snow showers this morning, 33 degrees currently. Expect cloudy skies today and a high of 41. It's a very good day to stay indoors. Uh, Right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 66 degrees currently, a high of 92 later on. Sunny skies for the current seven-day forecast. Uh, last night in the NBA uh, uh, play-ins, uh, Sun, uh, Suns lost in West Finals last night, 110 to 115 against Clippers, and Lakers win against Grizzlies, 128 to 112. Uh, Nuggets win at 109 to Timberwolves, 80. And in the East, that Miami wasn't much beat for you. Sorry, you couldn't stay up for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and in the East, Miami beat Bucks, 130 to 117. That could have been the Bulls. Yeah, that's all we got for you, Chief. Thank we you. Have, we have Mr. Flanagan. We do indeed. Good morning. morning. We're going to have to quiz Mr. Pappas here. Uh-oh. And I apologize to everybody for getting uh, mixed up on Blues Brothers. I got blown up by one friend already on my phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what did he say? He said you're an idiot. So. Uh, but that's nothing new. <laughs> it's a, that's nothing new. It's, it's always good to have friends, isn't it? <laughs> hey, you're an idiot. <laughs> I like, yeah, I could take it. It's oh, fine. God. The, uh, so the, the question, Jad, becomes, if you're from the, and I'm going to be nice to Mr. Mr. Pappas here. If you're from the University of Chicago School, like I am, those guys were so into the market and the random walk theory and all this, all the study they did. There, there was they were the first place to have. Uh, now everybody's got this. I mean, Notre Dame's actually a, a big proponent of this now, Jen. Is uh, uh, the historical stock price movements in those days the only place that did that? Well, that I know of, and they were they were proud of saying they were the only place. The University of Chicago did research all the way back to the start of the New York Stock Exchange when stuff was was printed. You could get that data all the way back. I mean, if you look for it. And they did a whole study on uh, whether or not the market essentially could be rigged by charting. And charting was, uh, and uh, you guys are, you're going to have to uh, help me with this one, but there's different levels of mathematics. I mean, I never, I never was much on this, John, but other other people did, did well. And I have a friend who, she's taken it to kind of another level where there's a big difference between like calculus and like regression analysis and those kinds of things and quadratic analysis and things because some there's answers and some there isn't some you're just using it to schedule things uh there's a lot of different kinds of mathematics but anyway they went back and they every when you do charts and so forth you can see patterns i don't know if you're much of a, a chartist greg but 
you can see patterns and they look like head and shoulders. You can, the problem is you never really know where you're at at that second, right, Greg? I mean, you can you can see that uh, head and shoulders takes place. You can see that a what a, what's it, a double banner or something. Something I don't even know the terms. But it's like astrology for men. Well, but in it, my opinion. right, but it, but the other, but you can never really tell statistically by going back on computers to see if the pattern. You never know when you're in the pattern, essentially, according to these guys. But they went back and they did every single tick. A tick is, um, I've got say IBM is here. Where the hell is it? It's uh, IBM is one twenty eight fourteen. Okay, well if the next trade is fifteen, that's an uptick. Right, Greg? Yeah. If it's 13, it's a down tick. So, and if you really get into it, now they're trading sub-pennies. Well, uh, trying try to, try to confuse everybody more than I already have. Yeah, which you shouldn't do. But that's the new world. That's why... The summary is it's yeah. mostly garbage. It's, it's total garbage, and that's why... I mean, nobody should be able to do that. Don't get me on my horse on if that. If you think you can tell the future, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they can. We can't. Anyway, the uh, so that they went back and they charted like every uptick and downtick. So the idea was... Could you... It's a nice waste of time. Well, you know, until you know the answer, you know... The, the point That's was, is is if you start getting a bunch of upticks, like if it's trading 14, all of a sudden you get 15, 15, 15, is there, is there a statistical likelihood that the next one's going to be 16 versus back down to 13 or 14, right? But you know, the only way to figure it out, Greg, is to actually try it, you yeah, know, and, and, and do silly. it. Well... Exercises in futility. Well, people wanted to know. Because, <laughs> well, then people are, but but, but a lot of people would, <laughs> barking you know, but, up the wrong tree. But that's what, that's why we, have, if, if technical analysis work, you should be able to find a pattern in the in the ticks. Well, correct? technical whatever works, people do dumb right. things over and over again. Well, I, I get that part, but <laughs> uh, but what, anyway, they they came back and they said, even though there was a very slight chance of an uptick follow, being followed by an uptick, more than a downtick, if you had to pay any commissions at all, you couldn't take advantage of it. Okay, so right. anyway, so that that's where that. But I, when I came out of Chicago, I was one of these guys where ev- everything was in the market. I mean, if the, if, the, if the CEO comes out of the can going, the market, the stock would be down ten percent because somehow somebody find out about it, and there was this perfect information flow all over the place. Not it was a little bit naive, but that's the way those guys felt. And that's kind of the way you sort of still feel. I'll, I'll the, throw something out there. But the grain I markets, think, I think, are fairer in that. Keynes and uh, Friedman were both equally clueless. How's that for a statement? <laughs> well, but they they were two, one were totally different subjects. Those guys were. I mean, uh, Friedman was, was was a monetarist. Yeah, there. Here we go. You're doing it. But but you're doing it. But I'm saying he was. But he he, in terms of predicting monetary predict theory, the future. Well, in terms of monetary that. theory, I absolutely think you can predict the future. Well, you can't predict. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Impasse. But I mean, but, I mean you, you have a dude like me that two and a half years ago, when the when the Fed put thirty percent money into the, in the, in the system, what did I say? We're gonna have thirty percent inflation, did we? Yeah. Well, but that's not a that's not a causation. That's just a correlation. Sure no, it, oh, seventeen thousand things other happen. No, 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 no. There's different. There's uh, inflation is always is complex. always in every time a monetary phenomenon. Oh. Anyway, well, what what you're talking about is is that in the grain part. You're right. Somebody comes out with a BS article, the real people with money are going to see through the article. But now last week, was it a perfect example, in my opinion, that we came out and somebody adjusted the energy part of the CPI and the PPI from the actual that they gave you 
which was up 1% to down 4.6. So somebody made damn near a 6% adjustment that became the lead number. But now a lot of things have changed, in my opinion, Greg. So all of a sudden now you, you, your first move is you see the lead number. People see that, that the, uh, you know, people at home, they're going to say what a great number it is, and their inclination is to buy. All of a sudden, the stocks market go up a little bit, and the people, there's only fewer people, people making uh, markets now. They pull the offers, and all of a sudden, stuff's running to the moon. I think that happens way more now than it ever used to, and I think it happens more in the securities than it does in the commodities. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that's probably true in that there's less there's less direct participants yeah. and it's less transparent. So if you give more of an incentive to say, I don't want to say cheat, but if you have a certain set of incentives that uh, that are really going to drive that outcome, then yeah, there will be more of it, um, more violent price swings just because uh, that's that's kind of what the incentive is right now. Well, for, for those guys, sure. Anyway, John... Uh, we'll bring you in here. We wanted to talk today a little bit about uh, the, the the taxation. We sent an article out last week. Uh, they were talking about property taxes and how, well, coming from Evergreen Park, we had Evergreen Plaza that used to essentially pay for most of the stuff in the place. And the Evergreen Park, where our taxes, our taxes, when we live there, were less than Chicago's. Now the plaza is pretty much dead. They, I'm going to use the term gave a lot of this property to Menards and Walmart and Sam's. Or I think they gave them the super duper tax rate, and now the, the taxes for people in Evergreen Park is like way higher than Chicago. So, I mean, there's this because the article was about whether or not a Target pays as much as you know five or six breweries and restaurants in the same amount of square footage, and evidently the the other people spend pay a lot more in general per square foot than the Target, right, Jen? Yeah. Well, the example used in the article, Tom, was the Logan Theater yeah. building on Milwaukee Avenue compared to the Target uh, at Elston and Logan, which I think was the first Target built in Chicago. Uh, but, you know, two very different ideas about, you know, how to develop property. Uh, the Logan Theater model, I mean, I know that, that building, I was at the theater many times when I lived on Logan Square, walked past it a lot, and it's a mixed-use building of apartments up above um, a theater that's been chopped up into much smaller theaters. It wasn't a big theater to begin with, but it had storefront businesses too, you know, small operations um, rented out to, to people and lots of foot traffic on Milwaukee Avenue because it's near the L station, it's, it's bus route, everything else. And you can see why that's a, a better deal for the county in getting tax revenue uh, because it's a very compact piece of property. I don't think it has any parking attached to it. It may have some you know, communal parking down the street on Milwaukee Avenue that's shared by other, you know, retail establishments. Um, so there's no concrete, you know, part of it that's devoted just to parking, which is, is you know, a huge parking situation at, at the Target store. Not, not, so not, not just, enough. Pete and Jerry got like three fistfights in the parking lot there. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 I mean, you, parking is, is designed to draw people in, and of course that, that does him. fuel store revenue, but it, it doesn't really f- fuel tax revenue in the use of that land, because uh, it's not producing anything itself, whereas, you know, every inch of the building on Milwaukee Avenue where the local theater was, uh, is producing tax revenue, so every square foot has to be producing more. Well, except, you, except you are... 
you are now paying a boatload of taxes, and then the city is gleefully charging the hell out of the people who have to park to come into your place, essentially driving business away from you. Well, that's the flip side of it, too. Um, and, you know, I think there was a, uh, there's an article today, Sun Times, too, that, you know, the idea of a big box store like the Walmart Supercenter, you know, closing on the south side is not well suited to Chicago neighborhoods. But, well, duh, you know, I could have told them that. Well, I mean, the thing of it is, that particular spot, that's actually where I was kind of heading here, and I was hoping it would be interesting for Greg and the listeners as well. The big big noise out of Chicago, well, there's a lot of big noise coming out here, the riots Friday night and Saturday night and whatever, but uh, the down south on 83rd Street, I drive down there all the time, I see my brother and so forth, uh, there was a massive... Was it an inland? It was a Ryerson at one time, right? And it became an inland steel. Ryerson, a Republic, or was it? Republic, yeah, but it became inland, and then they basically shut down. It was a massive steel facility, with railroad, and all that kind of stuff. It really went from 83rd Street to 87th, almost like right next to the railroad. So they had railroad. They had you know two streets they could interfere. The thing essentially became a, a big area with a with a massive Walmart. There's four stores closing in Chicago. The other three are the neighborhood centers. I've never been into one of those, John, but they're smaller, obviously. Yeah, they're like the small targets downtown, like yeah. the old Carson store. They're, they're for apartment dwelling kind of people. So, but this is a this is a full size Walmart. There's a Lowe's in there, full size. Then there's maybe four other places. So it's it's a big area, and and so now all of a sudden, real quickly, within like two weeks, they say, you know, we're out of here, and they they've been there for ten years, eight, seven, somewhere in there. And claim they've been losing money the whole way, and I, you know, I, I don't know where they have or they haven't. Uh, I mean, I could move around numbers with the best of them if I had to. Oh no, we're losing here. We're making money here. I'm not saying they're cheating. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's a combination of shrinkage. I don't know if the uh, the people in the fam in the area that that uh, want to shop go elsewhere to even to another Walmart to shop because they want a diff- different cl- different people. And I, you know, who knows, Jen? I don't. I didn't read any details on it or whatever. Bottom line is they've been losing money for years, they claim, and they're out. So, of course, every community organizer who somehow thinks that, you know, they they didn't discuss it with us, it shows disrespect to me, and I'm like, who the hell are you? You didn't put any money into it. But now the other side of the coin is, Jen, did Walmart get TIF financing? Did they get a deal? Did the, did the city give them money to go there? Are they paying taxes less than everybody else? If all that's involved, then I don't know how you do how you pick up roots and go in two weeks without trying to renegotiate or do something. There's there's always more in this than meets the eye, right? Yeah, I'm sure there were you know perks like the ones you're talking about given to all these big box stores to get them in to places that they wouldn't have gone into otherwise. And it's not just because the neighborhoods are dicey or there's not enough you know foot traffic or whatever to, to warrant having a store there. But it's just because of, you know, Hoffman Estates wanted to have Sears. They yeah. gave away the store to get Sears. Um, or Arlington Heights maybe want to get the, the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Although, God help us, why? <laughs> well, Arlington Heights they end up, end up they win or lose on that deal, not to mention the whole city because now Sears is gone. Yeah, yeah fun right. fact. I mean, it's so, you, you can't really make long-term planning on something like that. And, yet it looks really good at the time. It's like selling the Skyway or the parking meters, too. And all of a sudden, Except you know, for one thing, Jan, those never look good. If you ever look, <laughs> no, you ever that look never good. looked good. You're right. But but you know the, the interesting part is the city. Are there people? And I'm not talking about the current administration or the one coming in. I'm talking about the daily administration. Are are they are they always 
that dumb, or is it, or is it dumb, or do they know what they're giving away? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, Doctor uh, J and I were doing a show one day, and it's not, it's not like I'm really all that smart. Because if I was, I'd you know, I'd be Bill Gates, and I'm not. Uh, but one thing I do know is, you know, I, I know finance pretty well, and so Jan was telling me one day we were doing a show, and he goes, uh, he said, "Well, how come? Why are you why are you bitching so much that we didn't get enough money for Millennium Park parking?" And I said, "Jan, I don't, I don't think we did. Why are you always saying something's?" wrong. And I go, okay, John, how many spots are there? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, how many spots are there? And he's like, I don't know, 2,000. I said, how many times a day are they going to be parked? Is it, is it 100% of the time? Is it 125? Is it less? He goes, probably 150. I said, okay, how much for each car to park? He goes, like 30 bucks. I did like two calculations, and I said, the thing's worth a billion and a half dollars. And he looks at me, and he goes, how do you know that? I said, John, it's real simple. How much are you going to make per day Give, give yourself a level, a level of expenses, put some kind of a discount rate on it, and that's what it's worth. He goes, how do you know that? I said, Chad, how do the people that negotiate this thing don't know that? I mean, I, mean, that, 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 I, just, I just gave you freshman year finance at Notre Dame or any school. I mean, for God's sake, it would be Richard J. Daly College freshman year finance. I mean, I said, these people either don't know or, or they don't want to know. I mean, I, you know, I... But the same token is, if, if you do get this TIF financing for the Walmart to put the place up there, the city probably cleaned all the the inland stuff off the place. They probably did any kind of, uh, if, if any of it was polluted, any of the ground, which of course it had to be after all those years of uh, steel fabricating and stuff. If the city did all that and, and gave people TIF financing and all that stuff, what what kind of deal do you think they got going back? Is, is it 10 near, years no matter how much you lose? Is it 10 years of break even? Is it what do you, what do you think even is the deal? I mean, I'm not so sure what well, I do. Nobody's understand. thinking about that at the time, Tom. And you can see it in, in all of these deals when it's about getting businesses to invest in you know areas that have you know declined, don't can't support you know, traditional types of retail operations. It's all about getting political points to get something in there. And this is what Rahm Emanuel succeeded when he doing when he got the Whole Foods to move into Englewood. Although at the time, I didn't think this, this could possibly be, be a long-term investment on Whole Foods' part or Amazon's part. There's no way you can get the kind of people to pay Whole Foods prices, no matter how you shave it, you know, and, and you know, dither around with prices elsewhere in stores around Chicago. But it's, it's a, it's a boutique kind of grocery store that doesn't work in, in any but the most prosperous neighborhoods. Where people already have other options they could go to, but but Emmanuel could crow that he put a store in Englewood. That's a wonderful store, and everybody's going to want to shop there. He's not going to crow about the five hundred that left. Six years. He's not going to crow about the hundred that left. He's going to crow about the one that goes in. Right. Walmart was well, saying that they just didn't. get it in. It's yeah. never a factor of well, what did we give up to get it there, or financially, what's this going to do to anybody down the road who's trying to repeat this. If this store doesn't succeed, do we have a, a plan B to keep something in there? And of course, none of this. Nobody wants to talk about this at the time because it's all about getting as much done as possible you, can to get people off your. But Jan and Greg, there's there's some stuff you always have to do for for a place that is is normal part of of just good governance. I mean, for instance, the place the entrance of this place on 83rd Street. Well. You're going to have to make 83rd Street a little wider for all that traffic. You're going to have to put a stoplight there. I mean, you can't say no to that. I mean, it, that's just, 
that's just kind of good government, I think. I mean, in, in, in servicing your population. But I mean, what else do you do? How much do you give? How much of it's publicized? How, how much gets stuck, stuck in somebody's back pocket? How, how many small places in the neighborhood? I mean, we're talking about an area, literally, and this is this is the truth. That if you go down Vincennes, you're going to find one or two. What do they call them in New York? The bodegas, probably mm-hmm. owned by yeah. owned by you know somebody from whatever descent. Not, they're probably not even black. And everything inside is going to be behind bulletproof glass and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you got this Walmart. Now, the Walmart did it put some of those people out of business? Yeah, I don't know, but I guess do you care? I don't. I mean, I I don't know. But now, what? I've never been in that Walmart. Do they have the full thing where you're all changed there and all the other stuff? Like you're going to see. I mean, what are they trying to accomplish? And, and what were their? I think somebody should write an article on what were their experience. Is it is there is there shrinkage high? Is it they just can't put the high high value items in there to carry the rest of the store? I mean, when they say they're losing a lot of money, John, I, I'd, I'd sort of like to know the details just so we could talk about it. You know, more than I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you well, th- the, the long term impact of getting involved with something like a Walmart, um, you know, it's, it's a fairly costly thing if you think about it. I read somewhere. Correct me. I may not. I may not know the true story. I don't think there's an independent pharmacy anywhere on the South Side anymore. Wouldn't surprise me if there weren't any. Well, uh, name name me ten in the city. CVS name me ten in the city. Yeah, and I don't think any in the South Side. Well, and, and, and how could you possibly? Whole different. We only have thirty seconds here, but that that that, that is ninety nine percent not neighborhood. It's ninety nine percent. It's the state not paying people on Medicaid. For, for, for Medicaid prescriptions, if you're not borrowing at two percent, like like CVS or Walgreens, you, you you put an entire industry out of business, like you do with the savings and loan. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a crap. Right, and it's the you know the Walmart phenomenon of taking over everything in its path and then closing the Walmart, and now there's none of those businesses left. What do people do who have you know pharmaceuticals to purchase at Walmart? Where do they go now to the nearest Walmart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I, I, and Western. I, th- so, I, I think that this is horrible to say. I think there, there's some areas around there, even though the neighborhood is, is, is mostly African-American, there's some neighborhoods in there that are pretty good. There's a lot of areas that, that have had a lot of rebuild and so forth. A lot of areas in Chatham. You go through there, John. It, there's been a lot of urban renewal in there, a lot of stuff. I mean, it's, the, the, the blocks look really good. They're healthy. It's, it's not all bad at all. And, uh, oh, the time I, I lived in Chatham you know, many years ago, my block, 79th and Wabash, looks just as good as 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 I remember it in 1956, the streets and the houses around there are just fine. I think but the commercial streets, 79th Street is gutted. Well, there's yeah. nothing about 79th Street. I think, I think a lot of those people get in their car and drive to the Walmart and never going to park. They go drive right by that place. Yeah. Which is another problem. Anyway, S&P Futures right. up five, NASDAQ Futures down four, be right back. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Well, we'll pick the stacks of jacks. I'm talking about Matt Burn on the board. Who's the second one there, Matt? You guys know. Oh, you, uh, uh, who's that? Elwood? No, it's Eliota Haynes and Jeremiah, right? Oh, yeah, of course. One hit wonder there. Well, and they, uh, they, I think they, there was a fire. Didn't they lose the, the, the uh, you know this, you're in the mm-hmm. industry. What do they, what do they call when you first cut the, the record? Oh, the original pressing? Yeah. yeah they yeah. lost the original pressing. Oh, no kidding. In a fire or something. Yeah, SP Futures up 550, Nancy Futures down 350. Uh, we got big big move here up on the Microsofts, up 541. So we've got the Dow, Dow Future has to be moving up here at some point. Dow Futures now up 48, mostly due to Microsoft. Uh, yeah, you know, you're wondering, this, this city finances, how often you can get the, the, the push and pull between... Uh, Helping people out to be here and, and giving away too much. I, I don't know. That, that's a tough game, Janet. It, it's, you know, w- w- do they wait at administration until you're out and go to the, after the next guy? I mean, these companies drive a pretty hard bargain in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And you wonder, how, how do you keep it all even? Because I think you don't. Or, I mean, at the end well, of the day, it I, appears you don't. And, you know, the, the bigger, more rapacious retailers are the ones who are, of course, most interested in. You know, going where there isn't much competition, but they're not going to just give anything away either. So you're, you're dealing with a kind of skewed deck. Um, it isn't like there's tons of people who are able 
to go in and reinvent a neighborhood, which is maybe what you're hoping some retail center will do. And that's always, you know, a, a, a very dicey proposition because there's no guarantee it's, it's ever going to do what you think it could. You have no control over what's going to happen elsewhere in the economy. And what, whatever deal you locked into um, and you're stuck with, you're going to pay a price for that over a, a long period, long after the store is gone, too. Because it prevented other stuff from competing fairly for it too. Well, Jan and, um, and Greg, there's a I have a you know kind of a hypothetical question. I, there was a uh, uh, I don't know if he was a was he the ward committeeman or the or the alderman, uh, South American dude. He was talking about the riots, the Martin King Luther King riots, and it was a special. And the guy did a terrific job. I mean, he was. He was. Uh, I mean, I, I'd forgotten some of that stuff, but I was really, really happy to watch it. Was he? I think he was on. Was he on Roosevelt Road or Ogden Avenue or one of the two that had gotten pretty much wrecked? A lot of the buildings had been busted out during the uh, Martin Luther King riots. We're in 1968, so we're talking a while ago, and uh, like a real long while ago. And uh, and he was saying that all those buildings ended up getting knocked down, and essentially the ground is still flat. Right, the ground right. is still flat, and uh, you know the difference between the incredible uh, or what do you want to call it? Uh, the, the yuppies acting like cockroaches, taking over a neighborhood like almost relentless, like roaches, like they did on the north side and a few other places. It's relatively easy to do if the buildings are at least still standing, even if they're boarded up. I mean, you know, it was easy I mean, when I moved in my area. Well, when I, when I when Robin moved up there in 1978. I'm going to think on Halsted Street, Greg, and you would never guess this. Halsted Street, everything was boarded up. Uh, Glasgow's was still open. That bar on. Uh, Could you imagine if the mayor said "shoot to kill" right now? There would be more riots about that. Well, though. okay, but until you until you get shot, <laughs> then you don't yeah. riot anymore. Uh, but I'm saying there were a couple places that were open. Most everything wasn't, but the buildings were still up. I don't know. I don't know if they're all rented upstairs, John, or whatever. But all of a sudden, when people started to move that direction. This was all private money. Guys like you and us and the listeners, we would grab that corner building, and, and a year later there's, there's five apartments upstairs all fixed up, and there's a store downstairs. There, you were able to do that. But if the land is all flat, it's really hard to do that. It's, really, it's hard, to, hard to make a community out of nothing. And I think when, when we, we, when somehow all, all these, these places, I mean, I remember, if anybody doesn't think that I'm, I'm, I'm nuts, which I may be, just go to YouTube. And 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 uh, just or or Google Inglewood Theater or or, or Google Stratford Theater on the south side. And you're gonna see all these pictures of 63rd and Halsted. You you will be amazed. Now it's not that everything is run down, John. It's down. Right. And, it, and it's just it's just a flat saying. You're, you're kidding. There, there used to be a ballpark here. There's nothing here. I mean, I, but it's it's one thing to have somebody invested a building. When people all around you are doing the same thing, it's quite another to put one store up when when 500 yards of you there's nothing but broken glass. I mean, uh, and, and on the ground, I I don't even know how you do that. Do you? I mean, I no. But when the neighborhood has deteriorated that badly, Tom, so that there, there really isn't a neighborhood anymore. There may still be people living on some of the adjoining streets, but it doesn't look like a neighborhood. It certainly doesn't behave economically like the neighborhood there's very little way to rebuild it unless you actually you know create a gated community of some kind as, as if you were developing prairie land where there had never been anything there and and now 
try to recreate what was there because I just, I just don't think that that's really possible anymore. It's kind of a foolhardy enterprise. Um, and even having a big anchor store with nothing else around it um, isn't really an incentive for other businesses to go there. I'm sorry. You know, what are they going to do? How are they going to compete with a Walmart? What, what kind of foot traffic can you expect if there's a Walmart there? I, I just don't think, think it's a reasonable proposition. But that's the model that's kind of been the saving grace for these city planners but I think they've been barking up the wrong tree. With yeah, I think, I think it, it reminds me of the, uh, the high-rise slums. It was a bad model. Yeah. It's just, you know, you can warehouse people, but that doesn't make it a neighborhood. It makes it a part of the Department of Corrections. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, you look at what's happening, like, in, in Brooklyn. I mean, and the amazing comeback that Brooklyn has made. Janet was never down. Right. I mean, they still got great row house stretches. Yeah. Infrastructure, streets, landscaping, all these things that needed sprucing up, but you didn't have to recreate, you know, the, the whole plan for something. Well, you're you're, so, just, you're yeah. a historian in this whole mess. Are there any spots in cities that have, that have reached that point where, you know, the, 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 the I mean, Halsted, Halsted's got to be from 43rd Street to 79th has to be like nothing on either side. I mean, when I say nothing, there's still a few places up, but. I mean, it's basically got to be empty lots. I mean, is there, is there any place, Akron, Detroit, any place where areas that are down that much to where you know half the streets have you know half as, half the houses are still there? By the way, there's still a lot of good people living there, right? And there's still yeah. there's still our houses, people trying to make good. It's but their home. It's yeah. their home. And, and, and I, has there ever been some place that was su- successful in a ten year period? To where all of a sudden, instead of ten houses on the block, we're back to thirty, then forty, then fifty, and then we're full. And then all of a I sudden, can't, I, I can't think of one time that I, I know I've never seen one. I mean, I've seen attempts to do this, and you know, even downtown Chicago trying to reinvent the theater district when you know they apply all these labels and put signage up and expect this to be some kind of you know waving a magic wand. It doesn't really create what you were trying to create. It, it gives the vestige of some kind of planning. This is what we dream about, but it doesn't make it happen. And the same thing's happened in L.A. It's happened here after the Rodney King riots in 1992. I don't know how many small businesses, dry cleaners, laundromats, whatever, burned down had it never been rebuilt. And there'd be no reason to rebuild it now. Who would go into a neighborhood that you know is likely to be burned down where that could happen? For no, no, nothing to do financially with anything wrong about the neighborhood, but just some kind of outburst of rage. Well, it's um, really, it's really what, hard to what put business up. Business owner wants to run their business. It's really hard to put up a sizable building on a main drag just for cleaners. Now, if the place downstairs, if they have a storefront available, you can run a cleaners out of there. I mean, it's, it, it is, there's, you almost, you, you can't, you can't create vibrancy. I don't think it's hard to. No. There, there's, there's well, I mean, I, when I lived in Rogers Park, there was a stretch of Morris Avenue near the Morris L station. It was getting kind of run down in those days. And there had been a shoe repair place there. So that somebody went in and built this thing called Cobbler's Square on the north side of Morris, just east of the L. And it was you know, kind of a nice-looking 70s building. with you know It had, it, it had a, a plan for being the center for shoe repair and shoe sales. And it you know, bumped along for a while. I don't know if the building is still there or not, but I don't think it's Cobbler Square. If it is, a lot of it is kind of like you know Sim City stuff, where, where a lot of these city planners think this would be a great 
thing to have right here, and it would look really nice, and it, it would make you know people's dreams come true. But it ain't gonna happen. It's never gonna work financially, and it's never gonna give you the vibrancy that you, that you correctly labeled it. Greg, do you but remember? You uh, you're you're uh, somewhat younger. Do you remember uh, the the Black Thirty Seven fiasco? The Black Thirty Seven fiasco uh, in the loop with the theaters. Yeah, yeah, that's. Well, you, I, mean, I don't think you remember when it came down. You're, you're too young no, for that. No, I don't. But if, there was an area that, on the one side, we're talking about Rand, the black, which is Randolph to Washington State to Dearborn, right? Right, Jan? Yeah. Well, yeah. there was a, what, there's a Commonwealth Edison subset. There was a water station. There was one building that couldn't come down. Well, they decide there were maybe three theaters on the south side of Randolph. Was it Was it the Woods? What were the other two? United, was it United, United? Artists was on the south East corner of Dearborn and Randolph. Was the, corner from the was it the woods, woods there too? Yeah, okay. And uh, but and then there were uh, there was something else there. And the Roosevelt was, Theater it wasn't Roosevelt. No, no, the Ro- Roosevelt was on uh, State Street. Was on State Street with the State and Lake. Uh, actually, the, the State and Lake was where the uh, the one guy who died. Uh, the guys did their uh, movie stuff out of there. Uh, were the two dudes that did it forever? State and Lake. Anyway, there, there was all these movie theaters. So. But then there were all these places you could have lunch, and there was a couple of places for, and, and there were stores on uh, on State Street with offices above them. That kind of it was a very vibrant block, and all of a sudden the city decides, you know what? What was what was supposed to go up there, Jen? It was some some story, but they they condemned the entire square block, and all of a sudden we're in like two weeks. It's down. I mean, we're talking down, down. I mean, it's it's flat. And what was it? A decade before the first people bailed out on the deal and there was never a say all of a sudden the places across the street the little restaurants and stuff go wait a minute we don't have enough traffic now to be open they close it, you, you might you might as well have, have stuck you know i don't know what into a whole an electric prod into a whole area downtown just because you take one block out of there you lose a lot of the vibrancy and you know all of a sudden it was what and then it was it became an ice skating rink in the winter time and what it was it was ridiculous did it, did it ever something's there now but it how many it took? Was it twenty years? Well, that, that's where WBBM Studios are. Yeah, something. But but they may be the only big tenant. I haven't seen any. I've, I've been in the upper fourth that, and it looks like a water tower place that isn't finished yet because it's just concrete floors, superstructure, and escalators going to nowhere. But the two movie theaters had to be a destination for thousand people a day or eight hundred people a day. Meaning they probably had a drink, they probably had lunch. We used to get out to the theater and go to the. What was it a crummy place across the street? Ronnie's Steak Palace, where you got the whole steak and potato oh, for yeah. buck nineteen or something. <laughs> Greg, those things were classic. Holloway House Cafeteria was oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this urban planning—I I think you can do all the planning you want, but if you let a place go flat, I don't—I I don't know of any—I I don't know of a plan. That's what's caused this uh, the whole South Loop part. Once you start going south, it's all just down. Right. I mean, I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you how do you put up a, a coffee shop on a place where it's a high really high taxation kind of place like South State Street? How do you put up a coffee shop there for God's sake and pay the no. taxes they're going to want? You need a multi-use building, and who's going to do that? I barely remember this phenomenon, Tom. But uh, if you know Hyde Park, the stretch of Fifty Fifth Street between Lake Park and Woodlawn, um, which is now totally different, it's un- unrecognizable from what it was until the mid fifties. Uh, was you know, it, it used to be you know full of you know cocktail lounges you know just you know sandwich shops 
you know, clothing stores, the typical things you see on a major commercial stretch. And when Hyde Park started to have, you know, urban disruptions in the 50s, crime and people getting out of the neighborhood, it became a horror spot. My, my uncle was a, a cop down there when he first went on the force, and he, he tried to get transferred out of there ASAP because he couldn't stand the violence and the horrible situation. So 55th Street was leveled. I mean, both sides of the street completely gone. It's now been you know, reconstructed as a divided roadway with the, the beautiful IMK design apartment complex um, in between the two lanes of 55th Street. Not a commercial enterprise in sight. I mean, there's still some businesses in Hyde Park, but they're not on that stretch of 55th Street anymore. And it looks like a pleasant neighborhood. It's got kind of a quasi-suburban feel to it. But it ain't anything like it used to be, nor is it ever going to be that again. And you, you can't just you know, recreate something that, that has become... Um, Kevin said, in, uh, he just tweeted, it's in a, uh, there's a, a spot in South Bend where... Uh, corresponding time, I think is what he's implying here, is there was a neighborhood where it was really, really crummy, with not very many people there left. Evidently they, they bought up the property of the people who were left there, I'm, I'm assuming at a, at a fair price, raised the whole thing and put some high-tech thing in there, that, but there was a coordinated deal. They already had the the new place coming in, and all of a sudden there's a lot of jobs, and it's been a big success. I mean, it's not, I, don't th- I, I think it can happen. I just don't I've, I've not seen it happen here. I, mean, I took oh, the train to the south side last week. The Robert Taylor homes where those were, they, these were uh, those were big uh, buildings on the south side, Greg, the uh, the Cabrini Green of the south side. Right, the, public housing. The, the, it's two blocks from the train tracks to State Street. Uh, for, for four miles along, it's vacant. There's one uh, athletic facility there or, or something, and there might be one, one or two schools with nobody in them because there's nobody there anymore. It, nothing's ever happened, John. It's just flat ground. Yep. I mean, w- w- is there a plan? I'm going to say no. And it's, it's really easy to go from high density to low density. Of course, that, that's got tremendous... Well, this is really low density. There's yeah, only going just insects. ramifications yeah. for tax revenue and, and you know, business investment and everything else. Um, and I, I just... It's kind of what's happened to downtown Chicago, and it seems like a plan they have to loop too. That it's going to become, you know, reconfigured as some sort of dream residential. That's 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 such BS. Is, that, that, know, that's income housing. That that is dead on arrival. It's not going to work, Tom. It's not going to work. Well, you know, the weird part, Greg, when you look out the window here, you can sort of see south. See this whole area south of uh, Roosevelt Road that's just all empty. Right. You you know you know why that is. Taxes. No. No. That that area used to be the river. The river used to bend there and go all the way over to the tracks by Clark Street. And then come back. So in the 1920s, Jan, was it? Or yeah. They mm-hmm. said, okay, look, we're, we we got a whole part of property here that is really underutilized. And this is when downtown was pretty vibrant. If we straighten the river out, we can reclaim all this land and take LaSalle Street all the way south to essentially 18th Street. We can put two or three more essentially streets in here and have all kinds of stuff that's being built and whatever. And this will be a big boon. So they spent how many years then? They dug a huge channel, Greg. Now, <laughs> where, where there was was, this wasn't Burnham doing it. This was no. This was this, was this whole river here you see going south by uh, by River City. Right. That was all to the left of there. That whole that whole channel was essentially man-made. So it, once it was done, they essentially dammed up the old spot, and all of a sudden they got the new river. 
Well, 100 years later, that area is still empty. There's still no sewer lines. There's still no water lines. That's one of the reasons why they didn't build Saks Park there is because it's totally unimproved. But that's 100 years ago it's lied flat. And how? And that, boy, oh boy. So talk it was about, a jobs project. Yeah, but talk about being close to downtown. That area should be vibrant as hell. And it's not. <laughs> There's nothing there. It's, I, it's, a, it's astounding to me how total lack of planning, total lack of... And there's got to be somebody who has an idea how to fill that that area in, don't you think, Jim? I mean, how much area in Chicago now you think is vacant? 20%? Well, that area, they call it Area 78 because there's 77 identified community neighborhoods in Chicago. And that stretch you're talking about there after they straighten the river has never become what you would call a community area, but it's, it's like this now mythics. They go to the next highest number, 78. And that's what they wanted. You know, remember the Amazon distribution center? They're trying to pitch Amazon to put it there. They were just talking about putting the casino in there. Maybe that would have better, been a better place for a casino than the one they're going to put it in now, I'll tell you. But that's the kind of growth that, that we're seeing, Tom, because they, there's no way you can make a neighborhood out of rubble. People will will build it in individually if if they've got infrastructure and they've got schools and shopping and it makes sense to live there. And if not, it's going to be some kind of thing rammed down the city's throat and down the taxpayer's throat. And it's going to be some kind of you know theme park wannabe, which you know we got enough of that. Yeah. Well, it's you know in some areas I think it 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 can work. I mean I don't know about how you define even work. I mean the Dallas Stadium. Went into a very uh, um, there. there well, there's there was a, the Ranger Stadium was there, and there's this big amusement park. I and mean, I don't think it's as big as Six Flags. It's pretty good size. And then the, the area around there was all some trailer parks and some things. Some you know, if you're living in a trailer park, I'm sure you know there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but I mean, it was areas that they wanted to use the term upgrade. You know, whether they should or they shouldn't, who the hell knows? But and how they displace people and whether they just booted them out. I mean, you know, John, who knows the details of that. So they're going to build a new Texas stadium, and I think there's some small university close to there, too, because I think the people who work at the stadium have to park in the university lot on Sundays. I took the tour down there. And, it, and the, so this, the city of, uh, what is that? What city is that? Where's the, it's not Arlington. What's, uh, yeah, it is. It must be Arlington, because it's right yeah. next to the, right next to the, uh, the old Texas stadium. And it got to be right next to the new Texas stadium. So they, they decided they were going to do that and, and upgrade the whole area with, you know, the, the stadiums and the amusement park and all that stuff. There's a few hotels there. I don't know. Do you, I suppose that works or worked. Or, I mean, I don't know. Do you think it did or didn't? I mean, they put up they put up $350 million and uh, what's his name? Uh, the owner of the team put up like, he ended up putting up like a billion of his own dough. I mean, the place is, is really something. Um, but I, you know, he's he, I think, is a... I'm not so sure I really like the guy, but but he's uh I think he's done real well for the place. I mean, in, in that area, I but I, I guess they they put up. You know, You're talking Jerry World, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I now they got the new Rangers Stadium there. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess those places have to be someplace, but I don't know that that's a a, a bad thing. I don't think there's any public transportation, which is kind of weird. But I don't, think, I don't know if there Wait, is any. Baseball or football? Are we talking? Well, about he he, he put up the he put up the the football. It was maybe half a mile down from the Arlington, so I think there was some common use parking. I'm not sure, but now the, the new Texas ballpark I think is right there too. Uh. 
So not, the old one, I don't think the old one came down. I, think they, I don't know what they used that for, but the old one was a really nice stadium. It just didn't have a roof. I went down there. I ended up with, uh, I, this is back when you could do stuff like this, Greg. I bought tickets outside the place. I was I was second row behind home plate. I was I was happy as a clam back there. What a, what great seats! And uh, it's a beautiful. Plus, it was only seventy five degrees that night, not the usual hundred. So, but I, I had a great time. I went in September. I thought, well, I'm thinking this is this is. It was like my second favorite stadium. I like Pittsburgh too. But then they said, I guess that when it was hot, it was just too hot. Uh, you know, it was just brutal. So they they built a new place with a dome. I, I think it's right near there. But I'm not. Sure. I don't see why. You know, I could see where the Soldier Field fiasco. That should have been in this area south of the Loop, where people wouldn't have to could use the downtown parking on for the Bear games. You could add a couple of streetcars or, or people movers, and people went to night games. If it was a Sox park, you could leave your. That's the whole story with uh, the Phoenix Stadium. You 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 leave your your car right where you park for business. And you take the the uh, trolley to the stadium and back to your car. You don't need to move your car to go to a ball game. And we could have done this a lot better. We, John, we seem to be lacking in all this stuff, and I don't quite know why. You know, and even the successful deals, Tom, have left bad taste in people's mouths. I'm, I'm thinking of the construction of U of I, you know, UIC on the west side, yeah. Chicago Circle campus to replace you know, Navy Pier. That's that's what the U of I Chicago campus was, you know, from before World War II. Which didn't work very well, and Daly got it in his head that you know the near Southwest Loop, a very old established Italian neighborhood, was the place to put this new college campus. And I mean, the bad feelings of doing that. I well, think he booted out Maxwell Street. He did all that stuff. Yeah, and you know, I, I, it now. I mean, that's now a thriving center. The medical center, which did have kind of a medical center feel to it even before then, has flourished too. So, I mean, some of that was, you know, the strong arm of city planning. But by everybody who had to give up the homes that they had been born and raised in on the near west side weren't too happy about it. And I don't know how many of them stayed in Chicago. Probably some of them did, but they're probably now long gone. Um, so any, anytime you take a neighborhood that's functioning and decide you've got some better idea for it and we're going to have to evict everybody, um, it's, you know, you can see big examples of that in Paris and some other European cities that, Neighborhoods are just obliterated because they had a vision of what it should be. Well, they could have put that and campus in the South Looper. Yeah, they could, have, they could have done a lot, a lot of things better without disrupting the already healthy neighborhoods. They don't. I don't think they have any concept of of the vibrancy it takes. How many little things go in? It's like it's like a a big business like Pullman. I, you know, I have to have my Pullman reference at least once a day. I mean, when you have fifteen hundred people working in a place and you've got all this machinery that's been there. You got all this. You got all these foundations in the building. You've got all these presses. You've got people. You got engineers. You don't just get that back because you want to. Twenty years later, decide to build some railroad cars. How about doing it here in Chicago? I mean, I, Mayor Daly asked me this question. He said, "I know you work for Pullman. How come? Uh, how come you guys don't want to build railroad cars?" I said, "Well, Mayor, the place is closed. That's probably one reason." <laughs> he goes, "Well, why'd you close?" I go, "Well, because there wasn't any business. You haven't gone out for bid on these cars in twenty years." He goes, "Oh yeah, that's right." I go, "Well, what do you do for the twenty years in the middle?" And then all of a sudden, you know, when you want them, there's a thousand people that are ready to pump two cars a week at you. I mean, it, it doesn't work. I mean, uh, but once you lose a place like that, you don't get it back. I mean, how, how, where would you even start? I mean, it, even twenty years ago, he said, "Well, how how could we get something like that back?" I go, "Boy, I don't know." 
what do I who do I start? Who do I hire first? Jam I and these people are God knows where they're all at. Not to mention, where do you get a building like that? Where do you where do you get the cranes? Where do you get everything? Actually, Chicago probably has a few places you could put it uh, if you looked around enough. But uh, I mean, how do you, uh, you you can't recreate that for any kind of real cost? Anyway, um, what do you think, real quick, of this uh, Clarence Thomas article? How, why are they after this guy for 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 uh, reporting income they claim he didn't get? First of all, he must have got it. And secondly, why would if he if he claimed income he didn't get and he paid taxes on it? Why is that a crime? It sounds like it's right. Yeah, I I don't buy any of this stuff, Tom. This, this is the, the Supreme Court has become this this big target for anybody who's got a gripe from the right or the left, and they're seen as kind of you know vulnerable, unfortunately. So that it's okay to go out and, and pick a justice's houses if you don't like how the, you think they're going to vote on some upcoming decision. And the Justice Department cooperates with this now, and you know, turns the other, you know, looks away from it when it happens. I, I just see that this kind of sniping, whatever the truth of any of these accusations are, and I tend to doubt all of them, just because Thomas is such a marked person by the left right now. Um, well, his wife did a lot of that to him. Oh, yeah, well, he's not the only justice with a, you know, politically connected family or politically connected spouses or whatever else. Nothing new about that. She's, she's a little out there. She could tone it down a tad, I think. But <laughs> well, anyway. I'm so glad, though, Tom. Today's Sun-Times actually has an article about the the disturbances downtown that started Wednesday night. Yeah. And they finally got around to putting something in the paper about it today. You know, I guess that's how news... Well, news yeah, well, you, can't, you can't talk about that anymore. Hey, you want to hang in a little bit? We had Nancy calling in. Uh, we'll talk about a little more. I can, real I can hang on for about 10, 15 minutes. Okay. That'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. SP Futures down a buck. NASDAQ Futures down 19. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. 
Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back. Stash and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 50 cents. We've been slow all morning here. NASDAQ Futures down 14. We were up some, but now we're down a little. We were just down 5 in the S&Ps. Now we just popped back. We're exactly even. That's kind of weird. Dow up 34. Like I said, the one thing that's moved to the upside is Microsoft's up 486. And uh, we've got Home Depot up $1.72. Honeywell's up 285 which is kind of surprising that the Dow Futures are only up 35 because the only thing that's moving seems to be the upside. Um, over, in Europe, over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX is now down 29.2%, so they've leaked a little bit. Puts you up 15.2%, CAC around down 11.2%, so let's say uh, marginally lower to nothing over there. Over in Asia, we got the NECAP 21, call that flat. Hang Seng up 343, that's not flat, that's 1.7%, 20,782. Uh, Shanghai up 47, 1.4%, so pretty good rallies in China, uh, both in Hang Seng and in our mainland today. Uh, U.S. on Friday is a way of review. Down on 143, S&P down 8, NASDAQ down 42, so marginally down, not crazy. Uh, bonds, we have the bonds up 4 basis points, 3.56, that's a pretty good move. Uh, the bond up 5 to 2.48, Japan up uh, 2 to 0.49, right up at the top limit for those guys. Uh, we've got oil down 56 cents, 81.96, rent down 52 cents, 85.79, natural gas up 8 cents, 220, Arbob down 3 cents, 280. And again, uh, it was 419 I got yesterday, which is not good, up from 367 two weeks ago. We've got gold up 550, 2021, is it back up over 2000? Silver up 8 cents, 2554. Copper down a penny, 409. We've got Bitcoin down 989 now, ouch, 29,485. We've got the US dollar, um, it's up a little bit against the pound, so the pound or euro is 109.7, and pretty much unchanged against the pound, 1.24. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on April 17th, 2023. Uh, heavy traffic expected to, uh, around Guaranteed Rate Field tonight. White Sox will be playing around 6 p.m. Make sure to plan your trips well, you got to get out there tonight. This weather is beautiful. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's very nice stuff out there. I, I recommend it. Uh, of course, this morning in Chicago, a very rude awakening from a beautiful weather we had last week with snow showers this morning and 33 degrees. 50 degrees currently. in 48 hours. What's oh, with that? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's real nutty. Last 
last week we, we were dealing with, if you remember, we were dealing with uh, fire warnings of, you know, that it was so hot that we have fire warnings this week uh, b- below freezing. Uh, expect cloudy skies t- uh, today and a high of 40 degrees. A good day to stay indoors. Uh, right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 63 degrees currently, a high of 92 later on. Sunny skies for the current seven-day forecast in Phoenix. In the MLB, Cubs won their Sunday game against Dodgers, 3-2. White Sox, though, lost against Orioles, 8-4. Diamondbacks beat Marlins at 5-0. Today, White Sox play Phillies at 6, and Cubs up against Athletics at 8-40. Last night in the NBA, Suns lost in the first West round last night, uh, 110-115 against Clippers. And the Lakers won against Grizzlies, 128-112. Nuggets won at 109 to Timberwolves, 80 and in the East, Miami beat Bucks 132-117. So for now, Chief, back to you. Do we have Nancy? We do indeed. Nancy, how are you? Are you there? <laughs> I believe uh, we'll get her un- unmuted. Yeah, let's un- unmute her. Nancy hates being muted. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been muting me. I've been listening to you and John, and I've been muted. It, Why it, it, isn't that horrible? <laughs> It, it is. happens, it happens. I'd say you you and Audrey, neither one of you like being muted all that much. Just saying. Well, you never know. You never yeah, know. Neither does Abby. No, God, no. The, 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 uh, so how are you? I didn't get to see you this weekend, so that's not good. <laughs> I heard you were over, though. I was over. We went to uh, the place down in uh, Western Springs. It was good. The uh, the other Capri. Okay. Nice you time. didn't take me? You were invited. I said, call Nancy. She said you were busy. You said something about you were running around weaseling your way into uh, Greek Easter's wherever you could or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not exactly. Uh. <laughs> um, Angelica sent us pictures of her uh, of her Easter egg she uh, colored for the Greek Easter yesterday after being at Easter with us last week. So she's double dipping on Easter's. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, what's going on? You guys had an open house yesterday. And I said you guys had some uh, traffic, some people. Yes, we did. We did. There was a lot of people that came. Uh, couldn't have picked a worse day. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's raining. Some people, you know how you put the um, shoe covers on your shoes so that you don't track up the house with dirt? Well, most they, people would do that, yeah. Yeah, they, they walked around outside with them on when it was raining. And <laughs> <laughs> then don't tell me that they walked in with the same things on. They left with the men. Oh, God. <laughs> it was even it was even better yet when I saw him walking away with it. I started telling people, "Forget it! Don't take your shoes off. It's too slippery." Oh God! I, uh, you know, you just can't. <laughs> Sometimes you just watch and amaze me. I, I, why? Well, I, I think my whole life I thought people were the best show around, and that's why. When you go to Vegas, I used to like to gamble, but it really was the people show. What made you sit there? I mean, I, I, I always, I always find people are fascinating. It's just, it was hilarious. It so, was just hilarious. But so there's still so, some action by by you guys, by yous. Yeah, it, I mean, they there was action yesterday, and some people were lookers, some people were buyers. They just, all of them said there's just no inventory. And then it's like, how fast is this going to go? So it's, 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 it's so sad for people looking, because they can't find what they want. And then... You know, there's nothing. You know, if they find one, if they don't jump on it immediately, it's not going to be a good. Well, thing. Nance, if you have somebody, John, feel free because I know you got a dash. If you have any questions, but if you have somebody that you put in a house at eighteen months ago or two years ago at three percent, and they for some reason transfer or otherwise, 
have to move. Boy, they they got to be when they call you to say I need another mortgage. They got to they got to have tears in their eyes. Yeah, pretty much. So is that driving the the lack of inventory too, Nancy? That people are stuck where they are and they can't sell, so there's no no inventory for other people to buy. Well, nobody's going to leave their their. It just it, everyone has the feeling that they're satisfied where they're at with their mortgage, with the rate they have, plus with what they're you know, how everything has increased. That moving, even for the same you know same amount of money, is going to cost them more in a mortgage, so they just can't afford everything. So it it kind of like defines itself. Everybody's yeah. just satisfied staying where they're at. A lot of people are getting um, home equity lines of credit to deal with either fixing something up or, you know, whatever their situation is. So I figure it'll be another three, four years before you see the market open up again. Anywhere from two to four. Nance, if, if the holder of the first mortgage, not that it, I guess not that it matters, but are, are they notified if, they're, if a second mortgage drops on there? Or do they, I mean, you could find out just by seeing it's on the deed, but is it is there a notification there? No, because the no. first one is in, they're in first place, so they don't care who goes in behind them. Okay. It doesn't matter if the yeah. house would go bad, the first, everything goes back to the first mortgage. If anything, the, the home equity line people are the ones that are taking the risk because then they have to assume the first as well. If it, if it goes bad, yeah. they're going to buy out the first. Really? Yeah. If the second person buys out the first, if in fact they're not making their payments, they have that option. And then they go into first, and then they can pursue their legal stand. Nancy, do you see any people who are selling uh, and keeping financing in place? I mean, where you know, this used to be kind of. Uh, I only saw election. one. I've only seen one. A uh, man came and said, "Should I?" Ref-? He said, "The woman's willing to finance it, and I, the rate is like, I don't know, like five percent or something like that." And. Uh, I said, well, right now we know what your rate's going to be when she calls her note in, which he knows is going to happen somewhere within the next two years. Um, you know, I mean, who knows what it's going to be then? And he chose just to go with her for right now. Yeah. Or explain, explain, it's explain. An older woman, and she's very happy getting the the monthly money. So, and what, so what she's renting now, or she went to a smaller place? She went. She bought. Yeah, she went to a small, bought you know, bought down and. She had enough to do what she wanted to do, and so uh, she is financing the house. It's an investment house for the man who bought it. Okay, so, so. she she had her mortgage paid for, correct? Correct. correct. So the guy says, "Okay, I'll buy it." Uh, and she said, "You're gonna while you're rehabbing it, whatever you're gonna do to try and I'll use the term flip it. I'll just finance you, pay me." three grand a month and uh, we're good to go and at the end of the time when you get the money you pay me right it's a balloon so that uh, well if it works it works right and the man's here I just talked to him this week and he's he's stood it's still going and he's happy with it but he said he's starting to get scared because he realized they're really going up and I said yeah they are so it's hard I mean it's it's, it's you know for right now it's it's great but I mean sooner or later you do have to pay the piper yeah. Well, Jan, we just yeah. have to hope that that there isn't some sort of a blanket recession. Uh, we talked, you know, I talked a little bit on uh, Thursday regarding the, the, you know, some investors 
I think very foolishly on their part, are actually almost hoping for a uh, recession so the Fed pours more money in, which drives the stock prices up, you know, a la Weimar Republic. I, I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think they're really off base with that. But uh, I, let's just hope there isn't some, I mean, a big problem in, in uh, was it 2007 and eight. Uh, Nance was that enough people got thrown out of their house due to lo- losing their job that they all had to switch houses and, and it was really hard to do because housing prices went down enough to where uh, you essentially couldn't get a mortgage you couldn't refinance your own house because it didn't appraise so an awful lot of bad crap starts to happen if people start losing their jobs and have to move yep. and that would be really bad this time because there are people moving from 3% mortgages to 6 that's my biggest worry, Tom. Yeah. You know, I, th- I really think you know, consumer spending is dropping. People are spooked. And, of course, that's going to have to result in layoffs. People aren't buying. So, but don't, I mean, I, don't you feel I, I we're in the... A, a worse situation than we've seen. Right. We're seeing the setup situation we were in before. Because yeah. every... You know, two years ago, everyone just had a straight mortgage. Nothing... No lines of credit underneath it. Now... You're going to have this first mortgage and second mortgage, and if they drop, you've got these two where they're upside down again, and that's we're creating that we're headed. We could be headed, don't you agree, John? To the same thing we had. We could be headed. I I fear we are. That's my biggest worry right now. When you say you fear we are, what are you seeing? I I just think that you know the trends seem to be that people are tightening belts. Uh, they're not spending. Uh, and you would think, I mean, uh, well, the COVID money has dried up. I guess maybe that's one reason why people aren't, aren't buying anymore. But if, if, if they're really, if there's a, I think like two month trend now already of, of falling consumer spending. And that's got to result in retailers taking a hit and then retailers laying off staff because they don't have you know, the sales to justify having these employees anymore. So I think we're going to see a big a big rise in unemployment claims, and you know long term you know drops in in job openings, and that's got to be something that's that's going to really hurt people who are saddled like two mortgages like you're talking about to keep afloat. Um, that that's we've seen it before, so it isn't like it can't happen again. But I I I kind of have the feeling that's where we're headed right now. That's from a from a different perspective because you guys obviously use more of a real estate bent on stuff uh, your, your, your friend Audrey and I had a uh, discussion shall we say, of course you never won these discussions in like 2007 I had an article I still have it here somewhere it talked about the, the what the mean the mean mean price of a home in 2008 was what 235 or something and the article had to do with uh, in order to carry that Back then, with a six percent mortgage and so forth, you needed eighty-five grand a year, and only fifteen percent of the population made eighty-five grand a year. So, fifteen percent of the population could afford the median house, which is not a good situation. But if nothing bad happened, if two thousand and eight didn't happen, the mortgage crisis, and people didn't get thrown out of work in mass, you you can you can work your way through it and have things. You can like grow your way into it, for lack of a better term. That if nothing bad happened three years later, you know people's salary might be ninety-five and the house is still two thirty-five, and all of a sudden you're getting closer. But now this time, if you look at those numbers again, the median price of a home made it. It's going down. Made it to four hundred six. 
and there's no way on earth that the person who need 85 at at 235 that he's he's up 50 percent on his on his on his salary. But now, problem with that is, is in the meantime, the mortgage rates were three percent, so that made it a hell of a lot easier for people to afford the 406, even though the numbers, like I said, don't match up. But now those numbers are back to six percent. So if if we don't have some time here to where the economy can continue to grow and maybe these housing prices either come down a little bit or stabilize, five years from now, we we could, I'll say, weasel out of it and come out of this potential bonfire like John's talking about. But if all of a sudden you start dropping a recession on top of it and people get laid off and all of a sudden the guy who's got the 3% mortgage in Orland has to move to Tulsa for a job and now he's buying a house for the same price, but now he's paying six. The, the the seeds of disaster are there. Is that what you're talking about, Jen? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to run that topic. Great talking to you as always. Thanks, Jen. So, Nant, I mean, that's kind of what... So let's just hope that the big numbers, that there's no crash here of any kind. You know, because otherwise I think we can, we can probably work our way through it, which is kind of where you and Otter are thinking, because Orland and Tinley, where you guys do most of your operations, has never been that crazy to start with. So I think there's a pretty good chance your area can can work their way through this, even though 3% to 6 is a big jump in a couple of years. Correct. And, and, Correct. And, it's hard. This is a hard situation because when people start getting these lines of credit, you don't know what they're using them for. I mean, is it to pay off debt? Is it because they're short every month? And the lines of credits are balloons, so they have to be paid off within five years, seven years. And then what do you do? They're starting to get smarter with the lines. They're starting to say, okay, we're going to give you a 30-year line. You have 10 years to draw upon it, and then 20 years to pay it back. It automatically rolls into a payback. And so then it's not a, you know, it isn't a balloon. You just have to keep, you don't have to requalify to to extend it. Well, let me, let me... So there's... We get more guttural about it. You and Audrey, when you when you sell when she sells a house to somebody and you do the mortgage, both of both of you ladies are actually very good on staging and on improving houses and what makes sense and what doesn't. And neither one of you, well, plus the people move into the place. I mean, you know, you with the mortgage and Audrey more maybe more so walks them through the house, which you don't necessarily unless it's an open house. I mean, Audrey's going to say to somebody, "Yeah, you're getting this house for three and a quarter. Boy, if those two bathrooms just were." Redone, or if there was a new kitchen here, I could have got you know this thing, these people could have got three fifty. I mean, Ida is really good at that, you know. And and you're you know by being in the same industry, you guys can can tell people where to invest some money in a home and actually have it be nice for them living there. And oh, by the way, maybe pay for it in the end. So what you're saying, without saying it, is you hope that the fifty thousand dollar line of credit is to do exactly that <laughs> to fix the chicken right. kitchen and fix. not because yeah. you're short money every month so you're you're you know that's because then you're technically really robbing from Peter to pay for or, or or it's not for the bass boat or it's not because you lost money at the casino. Oh and oh god absolutely yeah but you're, you you're you're hoping that the money is being put into the home so now when they sell it next time instead of three and a quarter it's going to go for 375 because they put the 50 grand in the place in the right way to where they up the value of it that that's what you guys are hoping for correct correct and and there's no guarantee so that gets back to john's point of you know why he 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 feels it's getting shakier um 
because people are cutting back. Well, that makes sense, right? Um, but if you start losing jobs now and you and you've already been borrowing to make this work, can you imagine what you're going to be? That's when you should be using your line of credit as a safety net, right? Right. So if you were using it for something other than the safety net, it, it could get really challenging. And then if you're then by no act of the homeowner, their house falls in price. Because you can always sell your asset and then move on if the worst happens. But if it falls, then what are you going to do? Well, I mean, it's it comes down to... It's all, it's all, I always look at the... Uh, and my view of economics is kind of different. I don't know where I learned this or didn't learn it. Uh, I always look at the individual people and sort of the individual company and then multiply times whatever. Instead of looking at these big, huge numbers on top and figure and draw my conclusions from those. I mean, how many people that you know of in the last let's say four or five years while this has been going on with the rates lower than they than they normally would be I'm not saying they were wrong or whatever how many people do you know of that got a mortgage either through you or somebody else right now in a place that is very comfortable but if they had to pay 6% instead of 3 either wouldn't qualify or would be very strapped what percentage? I'm going to say 75% you absolutely could be correct. I, I, a lot of people are paycheck to paycheck, so that that could be very, very, very. But true. if nothing changes, and they, and they were, right. and they were, they got the thing at three percent through your good work three years ago, and they both got a even a little bit of a raise between then and now, they're they're fine, right? Right. As long as nothing changes, and that's as long what, as nothing changes, but. Everything changes. If it doesn't change, then you could be dead. I mean, yeah, well, it's one I mean, thing you count on. Tomorrow it's going to change, just like the weather today. Well, you hope that neither one lose, or if they lose a job, it's for a little bit of time to get another job. You hope that they nothing. Yeah, we, we don't. We, you were saying nothing, but otherwise they're fine, right? <laughs> if they, correct, if they're they, fine. You know, if they have Absolutely. the two or three kids and everybody's happy, they lived there thirty years. Hey, life was good, right? That's that's what correct. we're hoping for. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. So you don't you don't want any other crazy things to happen to where. You know, 20% of the people get lobbed out of work or something. I mean, I mean we, we don't need that. Uh, and let's just hope it doesn't happen. That's why, but the, the fear gauge is there. I mean, that's why you, you talk to all these people in the banking industry. The problem is these banks aren't paying anybody any interest. Okay, they never say that. So the reason why people are using PTI and other places, well, you can do it yourself. You want to go to the, to the uh, treasury auction, but every week now, my brother... You know, Dan. Dan is going to going to the auction every week for you know a bunch of our clients. They're they're bringing us money out of their other bank accounts, saying, "Hey, Dan, put this put us put this over at the Treasury at five percent for six months." What the hell am I doing in this bank? Well, now the banks. How many how many times in the last few days, Nancy, if you, if you watch financial TV, and everybody's sniveling about people taking money out of their banks? They're not taking money out of there because they think they're unsafe. They're taking it out because they're not paying them anything. Right. That is correct. I mean, I mean, that, is, that is correct. I mean, if you do have money right now, they should be giving it to you over and get yeah. the treasure. Because or, or, you know, money market will pay. Or if you got over hundred grand, I think IB's paying three and a half. You know, so I mean, wh- why would anybody leave their money in the bank? They give it to us. We'll put an IB. They'll give you three and a half. If you got over hundred grand. I think that's what the number is. I mean, it changes every day. But I think you know, you have, there's a minimum on it, unfortunately. But uh, but why, why would why would anybody leave their money in, in Chase for zero? That is a very good question. Yeah, I mean, and uh, they're loaning. Just think, they're loaning it out. Probably, if it's their 
Probably at around seven, eight. If you're a, if you're a plumber, what would you guess? You're closer to this than me. What if it was the the Nan- Nancy, Tam, and Audrey plumbing group? God, can I imagine being in business with you and Audrey? Oh man, uh, you I think would be okay with. <laughs> Anyway, but we'll so, just put Audrey in charge and say yes. Oh, Tim. oh, yeah, I, I can just do that. Yeah, you know what? Audrey, It'll work fine, Tim. You know what though? She'd be, she'd do a great job. She really I would. Think she would too. Oh, sure, she would. She's she very would. cautious. She's cautious, and, and and you know what? She doesn't cheat anybody. She's nice to everybody, and everybody likes her. I'm sure she'd get every plumbing job on earth, and boy, she'd be pissed off if we didn't do the job right. You know, so so I guess it yeah, correct. She'd be fine. But all of a sudden, we've got we've got five trucks. And business is good. Audrey goes out and gets us a few more jobs, which she's good at. And all of a sudden, we sit there and go, hey, we need a, we need a, a sixth truck. What do you think we pay if we walk into the bank and say to really outfit a new truck with two new guys, we need 150 grand? Now, we're going to make two and a quarter on this investment. What do you think we're paying? I bet we're paying seven and a half, eight. What, what would you guess? I'm, I'm thinking between six and seven. You think we think it'd be that low? Only because we had collateral. We had five other trucks that were paid for. Do you think because of Dad Frank, uh, you'd have to... I think, the, I think when they look at a commercial loan, the banks want to be two, uh, a little over 3% higher than what they're paying out. So you know, they're a, not offering any interest, but then you got the, the Fed fund rate being over yeah. 5, so we have 3 to that, and then you're at 8. They want to be 3 over. Or a credit card, they're 20 or 25, but... But are they, they, they going to want you and me and Audrey to personally guarantee, or are they going to go with the company? They're always going to ask for a personal guarantee, Tim. They're always going to ask for it. If they don't get it, they still may do it, but they're always going to ask for it because the more they get, the better they look to the. You know, they still have the answer to their board in the FTIC. What do you think uh, Jeff Bezos has to sign? I'm thinking no. Personally? Yeah. I'm thinking no. So that, that's what that's what what stops people like us from advancing as fast in the industry is once you reach a certain size, the world is your oyster. Re, even well, though, that, is, that is correct. I mean, yeah, but they're going to ask the small person to always personally sign. All right, so let me get this. All right, so let me get this straight. Audrey going to run the place. You help her, and I'm and I'm putting the new toilets in. Is that how it's going to work? I'm going to I'm going to be organizing the uh, personnel. And I'm the personnel. So, well, I mean, we're going to have to hire some people, Tom. We already know that. Uh, Matt, without getting yourself in trouble with the ladies, mm-hmm. how, do, how am I looking in this deal? Fine. Well, it's certainly a deal. You can say that. It's certainly a deal. <laughs> certainly a deal. Yeah. Is it a good money. one? Uh, well, I'm, you never I'm, know. I'm already third in charge. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> I love it. I'm already, it's a three-person firm, but I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the part the little dogs are peeing on already. I mean, like, good Lord. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's fun fun as usual. Have a good week. I'm glad you guys had a good day hey yesterday. Guys. SP Futures up a quarter, and NASDAQ Futures down five. I'm third in charge of a three-person firm, but it hasn't even started yet. Well, first in charge here, always. Hey, we could put yeah. Abby in front of you, and then oh, you're yeah. really going to be huh? in trouble. Now, if Matt comes in, he's, at least he could be below me, right? Or, yeah. not, or not. I don't know. He's younger. Maybe he can carry this stuff. Hopefully. We'll, we'll, something, we'll something at least. We'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 708- 
349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I did not know that.